This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. Whether the illness is the stressful part or the economy is the stressful part, this is incredibly stressful for everyone. And so just, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt and do whatever you can to avoid getting other people sick. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. So, our continuing Crossing Division Coronavirus and Tacoma episodes. This week, we're talking with Rachel Graves, who is a friend of mine, a former reporter and attorney, about living with disabilities during a pandemic. So, welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Before we get started, uh, this is week 11 of sort of our um, living at home, um, social distancing lifestyle. And I usually give the case counts and death counts. Um, and I take my information every week from Seattle Times. So Seattle Times today has listed statewide, we have had 20,764 cases of the COVID-19. And we've uh, experienced statewide 1,106 deaths. In Pierce County, We've had uh, 1,884 cases and 78 deaths. And one statistic they're starting to keep now that I find very interesting is the rate uh, of of the um, virus. And what that is, is the number of people who uh, have the virus in your county per 1,000 people. So Pierce County's rate has gone up a little bit from a couple of days ago. It is now at 21.2. So 21 out of a thousand people have the virus and that is um you know better than king county better than snohomish county um, but not better than any of the counties that are a little bit less urban uh the worst county continues to be yakima which i think today has um maybe i think has 125 cases per thousand so that is you know more than one in ten people have the virus in yakima county which is really a very serious problem But let's talk, Rachel. Um, First, please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we can start talking about, you know, how if you have a disability or uh, a condition that might make you particularly vulnerable, how you sort of approach what to do during this pandemic. Okay. Um, Well, I am, as you said, a former newspaper reporter. Um, I'm a lawyer. I'm not currently working um, because of a chronic, somewhat mysterious neurological illness. Um, And uh, I've been in Tacoma for a little over two years now and love it. Um, And um, have not been able to work because of my illness um, for five years at this point. and I guess you you asked what it's like living with a disability. Well, I think during yeah, the pandemic. definitely, definitely. I can remember. So in the very early days when we were starting to get notice about uh, COVID-19, one of the questions you had was you weren't sure, you know, is this the type of a virus that's going to be a very um, serious problem for you, um, mm-hmm. given your neurological issues? 
or or does it seem to be the type of a um, illness that it, you just can't tell what um, impact it might have? Which is, I think, I think all of us think about that a little bit because it was a new virus, and so and they're still sort of figuring out, you know, who is particularly susceptible and what kind right. of issues it has. But talk, tell me a little bit about that. Right. Um, so because I. I mean, I have about a dozen diagnoses, but mm-hmm. none of, nobody can agree on what the sort of underlying issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, um, you know, I have some uncertainty. I'm not in any of the obvious risk categories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have a heart problem. I don't have diabetes. I don't have lung issues. Um, but I've seen... I through other like chronic illness and disability, like social media, I've seen a lot of people say this, that we're just, we're people who have bodies that (laughs) just kind of betrayed us. Mm -hmm. And when something is going around, um, you know, like my boyfriend's a teacher and he brings things home all the time and he'll be sick for 24 hours and I'll get it and be sick for two weeks. Um, and so I just, I think all of us who have to worry constantly about our health, um, you know, are just very aware that even if we're not more likely to die than anyone else, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and certainly there are many people who have immunodeficiencies who might be in much higher danger of getting this, um, than other people, Um, but even if you don't fit into those categories, um, just an awareness that when you get sick, it's a really big deal, um, has certainly made me feel very cautious. Mm -hmm. Well, and you and I were talking a little bit, um, the last couple of days about, um, viruses in general, that it's very difficult when you have, um, especially when you have a disability that has sort of multiple aspects to it, uh, any virus, but certainly a new virus, um, you you have no idea how that might impact you or how long you might be, um, you know, having residual impacts from that. Yeah. So I think um, this has gotten some coverage, but I think something that a lot of people are not aware of is that viruses are often what trigger chronic illnesses. A lot mm-hmm. of people who have chronic illnesses. Um, like for example, ME CFS, which is known as chronic fatigue syndrome, it often starts with, um, I think it's Epstein Barr, um, but all kinds of viruses, chicken pox, mono, um, you know, or even just some like random unnamed virus. Someone very healthy gets a virus and then everything just falls apart and they end up with a lot of the same diagnoses that I have. In my case, I don't know of a virus being the cause of what's wrong with me, though I have had doctors speculate that maybe I had a virus that just went unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with with um, COVID, um, I've seen quite a few stories about there being long-term neurological implications. Um, and I believe the military is um, limiting, at least for now, recruiting of people who have had it because they don't know um, what the long-term implications are. And I think 
for people who've just always been healthy, I think it's really hard to understand that you could get a virus, maybe not even get that sick from it, and end up with a chronic condition as a result of it. Mm-hmm. So, so this, I think, is sort of something that it is in our environment. Um, and I don't think if unless people have a disability or live with a, uh, an individual who has disabilities, you may not be really um, sensitive or thoughtful about this. But so what, what you're talking about is there are people who know they have some condition that may either make them more susceptible or they may get sicker if they do get the virus or they may, you know, if they have compromised immune systems or um, serious lung issues, they may be more likely to die or have really serious impacts if they do get it. Mm-hmm. Then you also have the fact that someone who is um, either might be slightly fragile or is completely fine could get this virus and it could trigger some long-term health consequences that we can't even anticipate right now. And then we know that people who are older are going to be more at risk for getting sick and more importantly, um, dying or having serious outcomes. And the data that the Seattle Times has been keeping shows that actually across the board age-wise, um, the largest category of people who are getting the virus are in the ages 30 to 64, which kind of makes sense because they're in the workplace and they're mm-hmm. doing things where they would get exposed to other people. Um, but the but the vast majority of people who are dying from it are, are older, are, are in their mm-hmm. 80s or older. Um, but all of this means that I think we should be sort of extra thoughtful about the fact that there are people everywhere. And I think I'm in a high-risk group. and I know my husband's in a high-risk group and we've been fine, but you know, you really have to start thinking about the fact that it's not anymore the case that there's a small minority of people who is at risk. It's really probably more likely that there are much larger numbers of people who will experience consequences beyond what you would anticipate. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I kind of um, would expect that there would be a real coming together of people wanting to care for each other <laughs> wanting to, you know not I would like to think so <laughs> yeah but, but I mean have you seen that that's not really what I'm seeing um I've seen a lot of really mixed things mm-hmm. um I mean mostly I am in my house being careful um but um, we do go out for a lot of walks um, and um, have been, my boyfriend more than me, but have been going to some stores and mm-hmm. you know, takeout occasionally. And we've frankly been shocked at how few people are wearing masks, um, especially when it's employees. And for example, restaurants that are offering, quote, curbside pickup, where yeah. in fact you have to go in. Mm-hmm. And then the employees are in one case that we had close to you not wearing masks. Um, and that's a restaurant. I'm not going to call them out here, mm-hmm. but it's a restaurant that we really like. And um, I sent them a message and said, we won't be back until yeah. everyone is wearing masks and haven't gotten any response from them. Um, and uh I think 
we have not normalized the wearing of masks. And I think mm-hmm. that part of that is because the whole rollout of the idea of wearing masks and the fact that they're so unavailable has yeah. been so completely bungled. So mm-hmm. I understand why people maybe don't realize how important it is or just don't have a mask because they don't have a sewing machine. They don't mm-hmm. want to have to go order one, look for one and order one online, um, which is ridiculous. This is certainly a function of, that government should be handling, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is making sure that everybody has them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just think um, it's important that the, important to get the message across to as many people as possible that you're not wearing a mask for your own benefit. You're wearing Mm -hmm. a mask in case you knowingly or unknowingly are carrying COVID perhaps with no symptoms um, and you wearing a mask prevents or maybe doesn't prevent, but certainly significantly decreases your risk of giving it to someone else. Mm -hmm. But that means we all need to wear masks so that everyone is helping to prevent giving it to other people. Mm -hmm. So how, how have you sort of adjusted to uh, the reality of mask wearing? When do you wear a mask? Um, so we have had somehow all of our appliances have been dying of coronavirus. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we've had the unfortunate situation of having to repeatedly have delivery people and repair people come into our house, um, which has been enormously stressful. Um, And so um, we have been insisting that everyone who comes into our house wears a mask. We've been wearing masks when they're here. Um, You know, we have even been trying to keep the pets away from them because now Mm -hmm. there's some question of whether pets can carry it. Um, I mean, there doesn't seem to be very good evidence in either direction on that, but why take chances? Um, You know, so I will go hole up in my bedroom with the pets and uh, Kevin will have conversations from, you know, 10 feet away with the repair people. Um, So certainly um, when someone's in our house um, and then other than that, I haven't I have done a couple of errands and I've had some in-person doctor's appointments and I Mm -hmm. always, always wear a mask when I'm inside Mm -hmm. anywhere um, Mm -hmm. with people other than the people I live with. Right. Um, The thing that I have struggled with is wearing one for walking. Um, Walking is a really important part of exercise for me. Plus we have a dog that needs walks. Um, and I have one of my conditions um, makes it really hard for me to breathe with a mask on if I'm mm-hmm. doing anything even remotely exercise related. I wanted to wear a mask every time I left our property so that I would just be sending the message like it's normal to have a mask on. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be wearing a mask all the time. Um, and I quickly realized that I was just not going to be able to get exercise if I did mm-hmm. that. Um, and so I always carry one with me and, um, around our neighborhood, it's, I, I very rarely have an opportunity when I need to put it on. Um, but when we are on trails, for example, um, I won't wear it when there's no one around, but as Mm -hmm. soon as people are coming anywhere near us, I put it on Mm -hmm. for the few minutes that it takes us to pass each other. 
Um, so I certainly am sympathetic that it's very difficult to wear one. It's unpleasant mm-hmm. to have, you know, all the moisture around your face and it's hard to breathe and it's hard to talk. Um, but if you're going to be near people, it is such a, like, it's going to give us so much more chance of reopening things. If we can normalize wearing masks. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's take a quick break here and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about masks and maybe get into some questions about reopening. This is Doug Mackey, producer of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. Your student can go to college just about anywhere in the world, but have you thought about the school just down the street? When it comes to their undergraduate programs, PLU is a triple threat. First, PLU has a great liberal arts program that will expand young minds and help them thrive no matter where they go after leaving our campus. Second, PLU is part of the Tacoma and South Sound community, passing on the values of civic engagement to the next generation. And finally, PLU has programs that will prepare students for some of the most important and high-demand careers post-graduation. Liberal arts, civic engagement, and professional studies, a triple threat that will help your student thrive. To learn more, visit plu.edu slash admission. Now back to the show. All right, we're back after the break. Before we get into our discussion more about masks, I want to do a quick promo for Channel 253. If you've been listening to any of our podcasts, you know that we are um, one of the few sources of local information going on right now. And, um, you know, uh, becoming a member will help us continue with that mission. It is only $4 a month. It is an excellent value. And you will get special insider deals if you do become a Channel 253 member. So join us. Uh, All right. So on masks, I agree with you, Rachel. I um, I don't particularly like wearing masks and I and I just ordered some additional masks from Amazon because the masks I have, I mean, this is so typical for me. I saw in a in a food uh, website that I follow, they had some American manufacturer who changed their jeans making, you know, their production mm-hmm. line. They changed it over completely to making blue jeans from blue jeans to making denim masks. And if you bought a mask, one mask would be given to, um, you know, nurses or local, you know, essential workers who needed them. And so, of course, I bought a, a few masks on that. Well, a denim mask that is lined with like a flannel. Yeah, that sounds I tell you, it's really kind of unpleasant <laughs> to wear. I mean, it feels nice on the flannel feels nice on your face, but it's heavy. And so it's yeah. hard to kind of breathe through. So I keep it in the car. I don't wear a mask when I'm just driving around in the car. But if I if I get out to do anything, I put the mask on. And usually, yeah. you know, because of this social isolation, the only things I've been doing for the last 11 weeks, if you can believe it, I mean, literally my my excursions are I have gone a couple of times into um, a grocery store, usually the co-op down on Pearl Street. I uh, have stopped when we're out driving. I have stopped through the Starbucks drive through window and put my mask on all the time. And I've gone to the gas station to fill up with gas. And I, that's about it. I mean, I, and I haven't 
you know, had a situation where I was standing next to someone chatting or anything like that. I've gone into um, a couple of restaurants to pick up orders. And I agree with you, you know, the, uh, one of the restaurants that we go to that we really like this during our house, I've gone in there and some of their folks are wearing masks and some are not, you know, back in the kitchen. And I don't really know why, but uh, I wear my mask because some of the people who come in to pick up food are wearing masks and some are not. Yeah. Um, yesterday we got a pizza delivered and the delivery guy didn't have a mask on and it, it did, it made me really uncomfortable and a little bit, and it did make me think, you know, boy, maybe I shouldn't order pizza from them anymore unless they're going to get serious about this. Um, Do you open the door when people come to deliver things? Um, generally, no. I mean, in, in the pizza case, I had to, to run my credit card. So I did stand, oh. I did, you know, so I stood outside with him, not right next to him, but, you know, definitely within six feet of him not and I wasn't wearing a mask either because I, I just got up and opened the door mm -hmm. and um you know he ran my credit card and I uh gave him the tip brought the pizza inside washed my hands immediately but you know what then for the next two weeks I'll just wait and see for the next yeah. two weeks I'll be thinking yeah I you know I didn't really contact him anything I touched I immediately washed my hands but you never know mm -hmm. And that, and well, that's, and that's also the six feet mark seems to be a little arbitrary. Like there have been reports that, it, you know, it droplets may in fact travel further than that. I could see droplets. I, I would think that most droplets probably aren't spraying six feet out. I mean, I think that's yes. like, you know, you've got to be emoting or something, I think, to really send droplets that far but if well, you are why choirs are so dangerous exactly exactly <laughs> actually I can remember once going to a Shakespearean play uh, down in Ashland and I was sitting near the front and I was just astonished how much spit was coming out of the audience <laughs> <laughs> so, do not go to a Shakespearean play right now but um doesn't it under ordinary circumstance yeah under <laughs> ordinary circumstances I don't think people are normally just you know spewing spit mm -hmm. on each other um but if you if you're exercising around people, you know if you're down on Ruston Way and people are walking or jogging or biking, mm. I am astonished that, at how many people are going to Ruston Way. I Me too. have only gone in the rain mm -hmm. um, because there are so many people so close together, um, and certainly some people are being very cautious, but a lot of people are not, and I. I am very uncomfortable with it. Yeah. So what, what would you say? I mean, I, I guess I would, I would also say one of the things, and I know that you've noticed this, I mean, uh, we, we aren't hearing about it quite the same way now as we were a couple of weeks ago, but the reopening dialogue uh, for a while has been kind of saying, you know, yeah, it's possible that if we start reopening some businesses, more people will get sick and more people will die, but, you know, uh, what are you going to do? We, you know, we're going to crash our economy if we don't do something. And I, to me, that kind of reveals a very interesting lack of empathy for people with medical issues and, and also for the elderly. But what are you thinking about that? I mean, I absolutely feel that way, but I think it's, it's, I would say it's more than that, just kind of a lack of empathy for regular people that, mm -hmm. you know, we're willing to sacrifice as many people as we need to for the sake of the stock market. And mm -hmm. I, I can't 
I guess that undercurrent has been part of our country probably for my whole life, but it has never been as out in the open as it is now. And um, I'm horrified by it. Um, And I, I don't know how people can be comfortable going to restaurants and singing in church choir. And, you know, like, it's astonishing to me. I mean, polls seem to say that the majority of people don't think it's a good idea to be doing all of those things and that the people who do want to do it are just a very vocal minority. Um, But I I find it hard to imagine the day when I'll be comfortable eating in a restaurant again. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. assuming that day will come, but I have no guesses as to when, and it certainly won't be anytime soon. Um, I don't think if Pierce County does insist on reopening, um, I don't think we would change our behavior at all. Um, The only thing for us is that um, my boyfriend's a Tacoma public school teacher. And so if the schools reopen, mm-hmm. he definitely has to go back to work. And I, before the schools closed, I was so nervous um, about the fact that he was, and they weren't even um, sending kids home who were coughing. Kids were just coughing through the school mm-hmm. day and, you know, nobody was intervening in any way. And in fact, um, we did both get sick um, <laughs> on the last day of in-person school. So perhaps we've already mm-hmm. had coronavirus. Who knows? Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I find it really dismaying that, um, that, that people are willing to risk so many lives. I don't know if it's a lack of understanding or a lack of empathy or both. Um, but I think this is a lot more serious than at least a vocal minority is uh, considering it. Mm-hmm. So what would your message be to, to people out there on behalf of sort of, you know, if you were advocating for um, people with disabilities, people with underlying health issues, what would you like to see? Oh, I would like to see... Um, I would like to see everyone turning down their indignation at other people several notches. Um, You know, I had a very minor kerfuffle with a woman when I was walking the other day, and I think it was just a misunderstanding. But, um, you know, I was sort of hanging back to not get close to her. And I have Mm -hmm. this enormously friendly dog who wants to go meet everybody. So I'm like trying to keep my dog from approaching her. And I just, you know, made a comment that I meant to be uh, innocuous about social distancing. And she seemed very offended and said we were at least 12 feet apart. And, and I just thought I, you know, I don't know. I think my tone may have out of surprise been sharper than I meant it to be because I didn't, I didn't see her initially. Um, but it's just, everything just feels so fraught and I would, it would be really lovely if everybody could just be more empathetic to everyone else's concerns and more understanding of the fact that this is, whether the illness is the stressful part or the economy is the stressful part, this is incredibly stressful for everyone. 
Um, and so just, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt and do whatever you can to avoid getting other people sick. That seems fair. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, and I didn't know if you wanted to step off, but if you want to stay on, I have a few comments and you might too about okay. uh, Pierce County reopening. So <laughs> I'll stick around for that. <laughs> okay. So the News Tribune the other day, yesterday, uh, had some comments about the fact that the Pierce County, uh, through the county executive's office, was planning on calling, I think, an emergency meeting with the Tacoma Pierce County um, Health Department to ask, I believe, ask the health department to submit um, a request to the governor to allow Pierce County to reopen despite the fact that Pierce County doesn't meet the um, case count uh, numbers that the governor set out as requirements to reopen. Um, the, the health department countered by saying, well, we'll see if the governor announces new criteria, because there mm -hmm. is a press conference today where he might do that. If the governor announces new criteria for reopening, and if Pierce County meets that new criteria, then we'll certainly uh, submit a request for reopening, um, which isn't much of an announcement, really. It says, you know, if we meet the criteria, then we'll ask for the, the thing that everyone wants. Um, but what gets me about that is this. We don't have, we don't have any um, emphasis from the county, from the county executive's officer coming out saying, everyone should be wearing masks. Everyone should be washing your hands, use hand sanitizer when you can't wash your hands, um, keep your distance, stay home if you don't need to go out. If you're going to um, exercise, please maintain a healthy social distance from each other. None of that is coming out from our Pierce County officials. And, you know, I saw on Twitter yesterday, Rachel, you had a tweet asking why Pierce County wasn't doing something about enforcing masks, telling mm -hmm. businesses to make people wear masks. And uh, Derek Young was one of the county council members um, answered saying he didn't know there hasn't even been a directive to county employees to wear masks, despite the fact that that was the um, clear instruction from the health department. So what I would like our county executive in particular to think about, and our county council as well, is if you want to reopen, and let me assure you, everyone, regardless of their politics, wants to get past this, wants the economy to stabilize, wants businesses to reopen. If you want it to happen, make it happen by setting first your own example for how to behave during a pandemic, and make your staff also behave in that manner and send messages out to businesses and to county residents saying, you wanna reopen, here's what we need to do. Wear a mask anytime you're gonna be in public, wear a mask when you're going to be in contact with other people, keep your distance from each other, Provide hand sanitizer at the entrances of your building so that people can sanitize as they come in and sanitize as they go out. Encourage hand washing. I mean, you know, I don't know if we can do much about testing. I think tests are still a problem. But, you know, get tested if people are showing any symptoms. 
if you think you've been in contact with someone who has the virus or you know you've been in contact with someone who has the virus, try to quarantine yourself for 14 days so that you don't inadvertently spread it. I mean, we all understand what is required. None of it is fun. But if we want to get through this, that's what it's going to take. It's not going to take throwing a tantrum or asking the governor to do something that he's already said he's not going to do or hoping that the standards get lowered. None of that's good for people. Yes, absolutely. And the idea that it's somehow partisan to wear a mask is absurd. But that um, is how it's working out. Yes, but there have been very strong exceptions to that, like the Republican gover- governor of North Dakota, who was pleading with the people of North Dakota not to see it as a partisan issue and to wear mm-hmm. masks. And that's the kind of leadership I think that we need. I mean, so... yes. We need to see at a presidential time. level as well. Well, certainly at a presidential level. I mean, frankly, right. I mean, I've kind of given up. We're not going to yes. see why Donald yes. Trump thinks he would look, you know, silly with a mask when he wears, you know, bronzer all over his face, except right around his eyes and and that, you know, hair stack on his head. I don't <laughs> know, but he he's not going to wear one. So fine. You know, right. um, fine. You know, I don't think that Donald Trump in his entire life has been much of an example for how people should behave in an appropriate, empathetic, caring way towards each other. But he isn't here in Washington. In Washington, I think it's reasonable to assume that we should have a higher standard for our public leaders. And yeah, I would like to see that kind of leadership at the county. I'd like to see it at the city. I mean, I haven't seen anything that the city is requiring masks and, and the city is strongly democratic rather than Republican. So mm-hmm. maybe the local Democrats should should show that that by example too. Yeah, I would really appreciate um, local ordinances requiring masks. Yeah, me too. Um, and a statewide one for that matter, mm-hmm. um, which it sounded like Inslee was hinting at the other day, um, but so far hasn't announced. Yeah. So I do think the fact that Governor Inslee is holding counties to such a high standard for reopening when it seems like he is perhaps the only governor being as um, strict about this. Um, That's remarkable. And I'm very impressed with him for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty unusual. I, I will say, I mean, I think that Washington and it's not always a good thing, but Washington, is, we're all kind of um, policy geeks. And so I think that <laughs> if it sort of turns into a, well, can you measure it? Because if you can measure it, then we can do a study and then we can do this thing. Um, and so, yeah, you set these uh, standards of case counts and so on and so forth. And everyone's like, oh, OK, then it's objective. It's neutral. We like it. <laughs> Does it work? We don't know. We'll find out. I think it's an excellent quality in the state. I think it's a good thing, too. It, it works. Anyway. All right. Any uh, last uh, thoughts or ideas, Rachel, before we close out today? No, just everybody stay healthy and be good to each other. Mm-hmm. I say, I agree. Stay healthy. Wear your masks, even if they, yes. you unfortunately bought masks that are very, very heavy. Um, <laughs> try to wear them. But I think something you said, Rachel, I think is super important, too, and that is give each other a little bit of slack. I mean, I'm not saying put up with out 
outrageous, horrible, nasty behavior. No, I mean, tell people, come on, you're being a jerk, knock it off. But um, people are under a lot of stress and they're scared. And we don't know what's coming next. I mean, right? It's like every day right. there's some new thing you think, what? I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, so this year is weird and it is trying yeah. and it is difficult and it is stressful. And the best we can do is, um, you know, maybe make each other laugh, maybe be kind to each other, maybe, uh, you know, say something nice to your neighbor. And uh, bit by bit, week by week, we will get through it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being our guest. And that is it for our week 11 of uh, coronavirus and Tacoma. If anyone has ideas for things you'd like covered, uh, send me a message. You can find me on Twitter at at true underscore Tacoma or an email uh, true Tacoma at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.